I normally try not to comment on politics in the VET podcast, but when I started reading remarks made by the British Health Secretary, Theresa Coffey, regarding her proposal for the loosening of the sale of antibiotics, and unbelievably her admission of handing out her own supplies of antibiotics to friends and family, it has prompted me to finally discuss antimicrobial resistance and what is so terribly wrong with her admissions. You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr. Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. It has emerged that the British Health Secretary, Theresa Coffey, thinks it might be a good idea if the access to antibiotics in the United Kingdom is loosened so that pharmacists will have the ability to dispense antibiotics to patients in certain situations. She has also unbelievably admitted that she has handed out antibiotics from her own supplies. Now, bear in mind, she is not a medical practitioner, but she has handed out antibiotics from her own supplies to friends and family. This unsurprisingly has prompted a fierce backlash from both medical practitioners and veterinarians in the United Kingdom and abroad, even causing ripples here in New Zealand. Now, I will admit that I haven't looked into how she sees this new dispensing scheme working, and I certainly don't want to belittle the ability of the well-trained, hard-working pharmacists, so I am not really in a position to comment on this, but... I am absolutely aghast that someone in her position would freely admit to doing something which is illegal here in New Zealand, and I understand also in the UK, and much of the rest of the world for that matter, and that is dispensing antibiotics without the legal authority to do so. Anyway, that's a long-winded way to introduce the topic of antimicrobial resistance, and if you aren't already amazed at the actions of the British Health Secretary, hopefully by the end of this podcast, you will understand what all of the fuss is about. Okay, so firstly, what has the actions of the British Health Secretary got to do with veterinary medicine? The answer is simple. Antimicrobials are not species specific. Human and veterinary medicine both use much the same antimicrobials, so it is in both professions' interests to encourage rational use of these drugs. So, a bit of background. Firstly, here's a shock statistic. There are reports of at least 700,000 human deaths worldwide each year due to microbial resistance, with an estimate that if no action is taken, that figure would increase to 10 million globally by the year 2050. Without wanting to belittle the death rates of COVID, in 2021 there were about 3.6 million deaths attributed to COVID. Potentially, we would have a worldwide issue with antimicrobial resistance that, if not addressed, could cause almost three times, three times the number of deaths per year as COVID is at the moment by 2050. Okay, what are antimicrobials? Actually, let's just stop here for a minute and wind back. I have been referring to antimicrobials so far. So what is the difference between antimicrobials and antibiotics? Antimicrobials are compounds used against microbial organisms, which include viruses, protozoa, fungi and bacteria, whereas antibiotics are used against bacteria. So antibiotics are antimicrobials, but not all antimicrobials are antibiotics. Make sense? 
Sorry, I digressed. What are antimicrobials used for? There are three broad uses. The first one is obvious, to treat known disease. The second is prophylaxis, or prevention of disease. And the third is as a growth promotant. Some examples of these. To treat a known disease is obvious, perhaps for something like a skin cut that has become infected with bacteria. An example of prophylaxis would be perhaps a surgeon has undertaken abdominal surgery on a dog, which involves making an incision in the small intestine. This could potentially have resulted in a leak of intestinal contents into the abdominal cavity, which obviously isn't a good thing, with the risk of bacteria from the contents causing a peritonitis or an infection in the abdominal cavity. At the time of surgery, or often just before even, the animal may be treated with appropriate antibiotics to minimise the risk of this peritonitis occurring. The final use is as growth promotion. This largely applies to intensive farming, particularly beef, cattle, pigs and chickens, where antibiotics are mixed in the animal's feed or water to minimise the effect any organisms may have on the growth rate. A real shotgun form of medication there is an obvious red flag about this use. How commonly are antibiotics used in veterinary medicine? A study has shown that over a recent two-year period, 25% of dogs and 21% of cats in the UK received antibiotics. Another study puts the number of dairy cows receiving dry cow therapy in New Zealand at about 10%, so it is still quite frequent. We have discussed current use of antimicrobials. Where does the problem lie? It was not until the late 1920s that the first true antibiotic was isolated. Alexander Fleming left a petri dish uncovered in his lab when he went on holiday. When he returned, he found the dish had been contaminated with a fungal colony, but he also noted that all of the bacteria around the fungal colony had died. This was a repeatable finding, hence penicillin was discovered. The relevance of this date is that it is very, very recent in the bigger scale of things. I had the whole antimicrobial resistance thing put to me very eloquently a couple of years ago. Humans have stepped into a war between bacteria and fungi that has been going on for millions of years. Both groups of organisms often compete for the same space, so fungi have evolved to produce toxins to kill off the competing bacteria. Bacteria, not wanting to be outdone, have the ability to develop defences against these toxins. In a word, resistance. It must be remembered that almost all antibiotics in use today were originally developed from fungal toxins or based upon them. Is it not naive for humans to step into this war thinking that millions of years of practice on behalf of the bacteria evading fungal toxins counts for nothing? So there is our problem. Microorganisms, particularly bacteria, are outsmarting us. Is this problem getting worse? Hell yes. To quote the World Health Organization, antibiotic resistance is rising to dangerously high levels in all parts of the world. New resistance mechanisms are emerging and spreading globally, threatening our ability to treat common infectious diseases. Surely we can just replace them with new ones, just like buying a new car or a toaster? Well, not really. At the moment, there are only a small number of antibiotics being developed, mostly by small companies rather than the large pharmaceutical companies. Being a bit cynical, I suspect this is because the larger companies have much more profitable drugs in their sites. To again quote the World Health Organization, 
Without urgent action, we are heading for a post-antibiotic era in which common infections and minor injuries can once again kill. Both the medical and veterinary professions are more than aware of these risks. It wasn't that long ago that you went to your doctor with a cough or a flu, and the first thing you were sent home with was a course of antibiotics, just in case there was an infection, or your cat had a limp and it was sent home with antibiotics, just in case it is an infected bite wound. I would like to think these days are gone. These days we recognise that antibiotic treatment is normally only indicated if there is a bacterial infection or there is sufficient reason to suspect that a bacterial infection is present and the infection is not likely to resolve without antibiotic therapy. So the core principles of responsible antimicrobial stewardship are as follows. Consider the impact of antibiotic use on the animal, its owner and other people, and the environment. Animals should receive antibiotics only when there is a susceptible bacterial infection. Antibiotics are required to maintain their health and welfare and when no other treatment will work. When antibiotics are used, dose rates and regimes should be designed for maximal efficacy and to limit retreatment. There are antibiotics considered so important in human medicine that they should not be used as first-line treatments in veterinary medicine and only used when no other treatment will work. And there will be a reduction in selection pressure for antimicrobial resistance if a smaller total amount of antibiotics are used in veterinary and human medicine. Here in New Zealand, we are aiming to be antibiotic-free by 2030, and the pathway to this antibiotic stewardship is neatly summed up by the 5Rs plan. Now bear with me, this goes on a wee bit. Reduction. Reduction in antibiotic use is achieved by 1. Preventative measures such as vaccination. 2. Avoiding use where there is no bacterial infection, for example, an uncomplicated viral infection. 3. The use of topical local antimicrobials in preference to systemic delivery. And 4. Avoidance of prophylactic antibiotic usage unless justified. The second R. Refinement. Continuously evaluate prescribing practices and therapeutic plans based on response to treatment, previous similar cases, published clinical studies, and local and published resistance data. We've got replacement. Selection pressure can be reduced by using non-antimicrobial alternatives where there is evidence of efficacy. Then we've got responsibility. The success of a stewardship plan requires engagement, understanding and personal responsibility of people at all levels involved in the prescription, treatment and management of animals. Engagement will be achieved through positioning of the program and a clear description of the justification to all involved. Ensuring understanding of the core principles, not just the operational procedures. Encouragement of upward leadership, empowerment of team members to contribute to success of the plan, to bring new ideas and innovation and to refine the process. And then we've got our final R is review. The stewardship plan is a living document and will be subject to periodic, at least annual, review to ensure objectives are met. I will leave the last word again to the World Health Organization. Where antibiotics can be bought for human or animal use without a prescription, the emergence and spread of resistance is made worse. Similarly, in countries without standard treatment guidelines, antibiotics are often overprescribed by health workers and veterinarians and overused by the public. And I must underline this statement again. Without urgent action, 
we are heading for a post-antibiotic era in which common infections and minor injuries can once again kill. Were the British Health Secretary Theresa Coffey's actions in any way acceptable? Thank you for making it to the end of this podcast. This is a really, really important issue. Feel free to join the conversation on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages. Just look for at Vet Podcast. Talk soon. And that's it for another episode of the Vet Podcast. All of our links are in one place at beacons.ai slash vetpodcast. That is B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I slash vetpodcast. And while you're there, don't forget to buy us a coffee. On behalf of me, Brian Greger, and everybody else involved in the making of this podcast, thanks for listening and we'll catch you again soon. Mm-hmm.